0: As followers of Christ, we are faced with new norms and societal changes that may differ from our worldview. We see fads continue to shape not only our culture, but our beliefs as well. Are we following the trends of life, or are we seeking after the deeper truths which God places before us? We'll discuss these questions and more in Trend or Truth.
1: Hey, happy Easter there from uh, Jeff Lasornio. Or Zorn, as I hope most of you will call me by. Um, but uh, glad to be here again. We've got another podcast we're going to run through. We're going to be talking about today. Uh, I, you know, I don't really know how to word it because important in the phrase I'm looking for, but it's it's a uh, you know should Christmas or Easter be celebrated more passionately? Or uh, does that make sense? So again, uh, it's kind of the usual cast uh, uh, right here. I've got uh, one of our ogs. Uh, From the Church of the Nazarene, Wes Hostler.
2: He is risen. Nice.
1: Then also um, from Real Life Church and uh, one of our baseball guys up here on the hill, uh, Corey Murphy. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy that does all this magical stuff and makes us sound good or... Makes us sound better, I guess. <laughs> we kind of limit him on that, but uh, also a student at Roger State University, and he goes to church on the move, and his name is Mason Phillips. How's he going? So um, I kind of really didn't know how to word what we we're going to talk about today, but uh, uh, I think that's it. It's just kind of, um, well, first off, what, what are some of the traditions that, that you guys may have in your family for Christmas? Let's start there. Like, for instance... Uh, one of the things that we do, um, at our house is, uh, every Christmas Eve, we open one gift, one gift only, which was when Kimberly and I first started doing this, it was amazing to me because my mother le- never let you open a gift at all before Christmas day. Christmas Eve gift is always socks. <laughs> well, we do pajamas. So it's your, uh, pajamas, you know, um, <laughs> for the next year, I guess, um, but it's crazy because we never ever wear them because we all kind of want our stuff washed before we actually wear them, so it's really a useless gift on Christmas Eve, but it is still kind of one of the things that we do um, and then we'll uh we'll usually go to some kind of candlelight Christmas service somewhere um, if we can so
3: one of the things we always do with uh, Abby's family is we go to a Christmas light or candlelight service on Christmas Eve, and my family i don't really know that we have a lot of quote-unquote traditions. I mean, every year um, when I was young, my grandma, we would always open her gifts on Christmas Eve and then my gifts from my parents on Christmas. But I I wouldn't really say that we had many traditions that we made sure to do every year.
0: The big one for me is we always open our uh, stockings on Christmas Eve. And so we'll go through all those gifts, uh, enjoy them for the evening, and then uh, unwrap the presents under the tree the next day.
1: So you un- you got your stocking before Santa ever even came. Yeah, I, I didn't. Impossible.
0: I never really <laughs> never really got into the whole Santa thing. I mean, I think one year probably contemplated it, but all right, <laughs> it wasn't all right. a big thing for my family.
1: All right.
2: Yeah, I didn't realize Santa could time travel until yeah we started <laughs> doing that too. But you know, hey, it's Christmas. I'll match. never
3: forget when my brother found out that Santa wasn't real, and he went outside and saw a Walmart sack full of our Stocking Stuff wrappers and absolutely lost it on my parents, like crying whole nine yards uh, about how they lied to him. Is a really big deal.
1: He wasn't like 19 or nothing like that when that happened. Right?
3: <laughs> I think he was 22. No, I'm just kidding. Because I faked it.
1: I, I faked the belief in Santa Claus for as long as I could because I was afraid that if I didn't, I wasn't still going to get the gift. Well, now I'm 51 and I still get Santa stuff from my mom, so... hey I love her for that she's she's a Christmas uh, she's kind of what we're talking about honestly and I don't don't mean to be rude she loves Jesus she loves uh, everything that the season stands for but she was a Christmas freak man I mean her tree had to be perfect she would you would give her a gift and she would thank you for the gift and when you left she would go and wrap it in her matching paper that matched her tree and the rest of the gifts around the tree she wouldn't do it while you were there, you know. Like, oh, this is terrible wrapping paper. It's yeah, she'd wait to, but you know, she had gold bows and red bows, and so the packages had to be gold and red. And had, I mean, it was, it was mom, a big deal.
3: My mom's kind of the same way, okay. and no, every single year, I'll, I guess you could call this a Christmas tradition because my mom every single year would tell us, like, guys, Christmas is going to be kind of. It's not going to be as big this year. We're gonna, we're going to have to really. That's hilarious. Rain cause it my back. mom said the same thing. We're going to have to rain it back this year, and then you'd come out Christmas morning, and the living room would be full of presents because she just couldn't help herself. Yeah.
2: So like you put the OCD or the Christmas and OCD or something like that, like Christmas OCD, where everything has to look a certain way, things are symmetrical, you know, like when you talk about decorations and people that so get into how the ornaments look exactly on the tree. <laughs> And everything that you're talking about has to match and and stuff like that. That
3: was always my least favorite part about the season was my mom making us go to the storage building and drag out the thousands of Christmas decorations that she had.
1: Well, I got to tell the truth. Um, I inherited my mother's ways, not on the decoration part, but on the gift buying part. I would literally buy gifts and I was the greatest gift buyer in the world. So... If you got a gift Self-proclaimed. from me self proclaimed. No. This is this is self-found is what it is. <laughs> I, I would uh I, I took great pride in it. If you got a gift from me, it was at the very least going to be very well thought out. Um I remember when they started doing a uh, uh selling waterburger spicy ketchup at Walmart. And I told my buddy Joey I was like you're going to love your Christmas gift and he's just like you know Maybe so. I don't know. And I took it to him and he was like, you are the greatest gift buyer ever. And it was like, you know, $1.99 or something like that. But I knew that no one else had thought of it and I knew that he loved that. So it was one of those deals. But I also like would last minute go out and just buy like another 200 or $300 worth of stuff because I was afraid my kid wouldn't have enough. Um, when my big transformation came... That year, I went to the closet to play a game close to Christmas time, not Christmas yet, but close to it, and found three or four games that I'd bought the year before still in the cellophane so that's when that stopped but it my heart for Christmas changed as well though so uh, so what about Easter traditions? What are some of those that you guys may have? We
3: always got together as a family and just had uh like my whole family, not just my immediate family, my whole family got together, and we have like uh, kind of like a Christmas dinner, I guess you know ham and all the sides and stuff like that. And then all the kids, honey, Easter eggs.
1: Cool. Cool. Yeah,
0: for my family, it's kind of changed a couple of times. So we used to go to my grandpa's, uh, uh, church, uh, around here in Claremore, uh, for Easter Sunday, him and my extended family, we'd all go and, uh, eat dinner, or lunch afterwards. And, uh, and then after a while when we went, uh, we got a little bit more involved with, uh, the church we go to now, uh, we really just kind of plugged into the, those services. And it was, pretty much just Easter Sunday service was really the only thing we did. So to be honest, there's
2: really no tradition that went with it. Just going to church on a Sunday. All right. Mine was definitely the dying eggs whenever I was young in that we would just try to make the craziest designs and things like that. And this stuff, of course, that will stain everything. And you got little kids that are so messy knocking stuff over, but it was absolutely my favorite thing to do because my brother was pretty artistic. I mean, he, Uh, Was one of those people that could draw anything or whatever, but he would always come up with something new, you know, to one up last year as far as how he would design eggs or color them or do something like that. So as a little kid, I loved that. I couldn't really get into. I mean, the hunting was fun, but you know, coloring and and you know, showing off our artistry on the eggs was a big deal. My
3: extent of artistry in painting eggs was I would take two eggs, and I would dip them in different colors. And then when they were still wet, I'd swap them. So not only did I ruin the dye, I made like a brown egg.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
0: I know one year, uh, I, I think I decided to hide the eggs in our house, and I forgot about one of them, and then we later smelled it. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> about nice. a month yeah. later, it's like, wait a minute, there's something wrong here. So,
1: so for me, we always had an Easter egg that was New York Yankee themed, no matter what it was, it was, and it was never artfully done, but it was always done and was my favorite because it was a Yankee again. And my, and my kids kind of got fun, you know, they they thought it was cool that we'd made something like that. You know, they give you the little wax crayon and you would, you know, make your design. So it was always, that was a fun deal for me, especially whenever I had kids and you know, it was just a cool deal. But, uh, so that's kind of the the thing that I've wrestled with, especially since my big change five years ago is, um, you know, why? I mean, those are cool traditions. Don't let me knock on what your family's doing. But that doesn't sound like a celebration. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That for Jesus dying on the cross, being resurrected, even if he dies on the cross without the resurrection, none of it matters, right? He's just a, a hoax, a fraud. Uh, what, what, what everybody was saying that he was at that time when they killed him, um, that's all he is. But he did resurrect. He, he was raised from the dead. And we treat that celebration not near like we do his birth, and and that's that seems backwards to me. Does does anyone else agree? Disagree? And believe me, I'm tough. I can handle it. If if you disagree, you can you can disagree.
3: I think in the world today, it's it, it's because Christmas is marketed. We're we're always going to be inherently selfish, and so people want gifts, and that's why Christmas is so over marketed because. They get to wake up in the morning and open a bunch of gifts and have a bunch of presents that
1: they didn't have before, and we want material things. But that's kind of part of my frustration: is is why are there gifts? Okay, and I'm gonna guess. I mean, why are the gifts? Tell me why there are
2: gifts, Wes. Why are there gifts? Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to go to things outside of what Christmas stands for. I mean, who who is the personality of Santa Claus, right? I mean, there's, it doesn't matter what culture you're from. They have a a name for Santa Claus. I wish I could remember. St. Nicholas. Yeah. Well, yes. Now, if you're looking at the person that was St. Nicholas, that was a real dude. But when you're talking about all the names they give Father Christmas, I guess that's in the UK. And then again, I wish I could think of all the other uh, names they have, but each one has this particular tradition attached to it that may have started with giving to someone in need you know like the next morning somebody in need that was desperate you gave them a gift uh, and i think some of the oldest ones were gold coins that went down the chimney and supposedly fell in socks that were attached to a fireplace mantle and and that's of course, has got some myth or, you know, urban legend attached to it. Um, But the idea was there was all kinds of things that were twisted up to turn into materialistic stuff, exactly what Murph was saying. And so after a period of time, you forget about helping, you know, a neighbor in need. You turn it into how much can you get for yourself? What are you looking forward to on christmas morning is it all about the gifts or is it about family getting together and you know bonding during a time when we don't go to work uh we don't you know let all these other distractions interfere with family coming first
1: yeah that went a totally different direction than what i thought but that's that's really good i, I kind of thought it was it, for me it was you know i figured the wise men Brought gifts, so that was the tradition of let's bring gifts, you know. Um, but I feel like the gifts that the wise men brought were very specific and for and served a real purpose when they brought them. And I don't feel like the gifts that we give now. I, I like I like your way of Christmas. I would I would love Christmas like that, you know. Let's find somebody that needs some help and let's help them, um, probably in an anonymous way, you know. Thus the drop it down a chimney and it fall into a magic sock or Maybe not magic. So (laughs) probably the wrong word. Probably should not use magic on this podcast as my phrase of choice. But I just did, so you're gonna have to move on past that. So, Uh, but you know, I just, uh, I I just, I just feel like the that's part of the thing that that been commercialized. You know, obviously it's when retailers say they go to the black for the first time, and then just, I just think it's a. I don't know that it would bother me so bad if we did that for Easter you know hey i want to celebrate the resurrection and i want to celebrate it in a mighty mighty way um i did see some cool things this year where people were putting some red sashes over their doors and doing some things that i hadn't seen i hadn't seen in the past maybe i had the wrong group of friends on facebook or something but, <laughs> but yeah so uh, uh what what else is there that's that's on the christmas side that might is there anything else that might frustrate you guys or am i am i alone in this am i the only one that thinks it's kind of a a reversal of of celebrations,
3: I I do get a little bothered by how commercialized it is, and not necessarily the the holiday. Just nonstop, uh, you can't even go to the grocery store without just being packed in like sardines uh, because everybody's just buying everybody gifts. And I I do love the the generosity part of Christmas. I love that people are. That's the only time of the year that I know of that everybody is willing to go out and do something for somebody else. Even if it's their kid, they're still willing to go out and splurge a little bit and spend some money on somebody else to give them something that they want or maybe even that they need. But it, I hate how commercialized it is. But I also, there's a certain joy around the time of Christmas and I, I don't necessarily know, I think it's because everybody is getting, they know that they're getting gifts on Christmas morning. They know that, They're going to get something that they want. And so there's just this, I don't know. Anytime I feel like I go outside, there's just this feeling of joy. Everybody's happier. It's the suicide rates go down around the time of Christmas. I don't know. There's just something about it.
1: I thought they actually went up around Christmas. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) We'll have to look it up. Because I really did think that you kind of looked at me funny. Is that kind of what you thought? Because I thought there was a loneliness factor. I thought, you know, some, uh, you know, that kind of feeling left out type deal.
2: I don't know what the the statistics are about up or down, but there are definitely people that react the opposite way that you would think because they're watching tons of people uh, react to Christmas exactly the way Murph said is that they're, closer with their family, everybody's happy and joyful, all these other things. And because their lives, um, because they don't feel like that, but because they don't get the warm and fuzzy feeling where they, you know, have relationships or family close to them, uh, listening to Christmas songs and, you know, enjoying the Christmas spirit. Let's just say that, um, then they get depressed because of it, because, they can't make themselves get into the Christmas mood and it it really, you know, drives them deeper into depression.
3: Psychology Today said that uh people are most likely to com- to commit suicide around Christmas time. False. Contrary to popular belief, the suicide rate peaks in the springtime, not the winter time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I still think like what you're saying though is is a valid statement that there are there is the opposite that happens where they see all these people in a joyful state and it only pushes them further into a depressive state um so that that is a sad thing about about that time of year for sure
2: absolutely but i i think it's it's a real thing that um certain companies can capitalize on the mood aspect on the emotional involvement of christmas and they make people feel as though if you really want the Christmas spirit, then you buy my product. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And that's what we should all find disturbing is that, you know, whenever we feel closer to our family and we're letting go maybe of some of the, the things that keep us so busy throughout the year and allow ourselves to enjoy uh, more time with family or be grateful or just the millions of different things that are good that come out of the Christmas season uh, to me get turned upside down by trying to market it as a way to go into the black, you know, mm-hmm. exactly what you were saying.
3: And if you think about it, I mean, even on the business side, they value Christmas more than uh, Easter because they give you Christmas Eve and Christmas off. I don't know uh, a lot of businesses that don't give employees Christmas Eve and Christmas off. And I know Easter's on a Sunday, but they don't get, like, that Monday off or anything like that. And I think that's kind of weird. Another thing that I think is weird, and I kind of have a question to follow up with it, is there's not really any decorations other than, you know, like, Easter Bunny and all that stuff for Easter. But you'll see, like, nativity scenes and all that kind of thing for Christmas. Do you guys think that's kind of weird that there's not really any decorations for Easter?
0: There is, and also, when you really look at it, a lot of the decorations, a lot of stuff that goes with Christmas has nothing to do with what it's really about. And same with Easter, the Easter Bunny and everything. I don't remember reading about that in the Bible anywhere. so
3: <laughs>
1: trend <laughs> Well, I, you know that's part of what what this discussion is about is uh, you know to me the, the the if we're gonna get excessive, the celebration should be about the resurrection personal opinion. That's not, it's not biblical. I'm not trying to say that it is. That's my personal opinion. Um, yeah, so I get what you're talking about. Cause I, I kind of fell into that, um, that commercialism, I, you know, I, but what that brings to mind for me is, um, we allow that with what our priority is. My priority was the selfish joy Of seeing someone open a gift that that had so much thought put into it that they could only be happy, you know, that my kids could wake up and see thousands of gifts and be like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be the greatest Christmas ever. And and, uh, my focus wasn't on Jesus at all. And then, of course, when my focus changed to Jesus, I'd kind of set a high bar. And so like my kids were kind of like, man, this guy's terrible now, you know, but I'm like, I'm, I'm not willing to fall back into that pattern. So the commercialism, I think is a deal that we fall into because of why, why is the season even there anyway? You know, we're not, we're not doing it because of the gifts. We're not, we shouldn't be, uh, should be because of Jesus's birth. That's what we're celebrating. And, but then for me, it always goes back to, well, the resurrections where we really should be celebrating. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: So a question off that, where do you draw the line in showing your love for somebody by giving them a gift
1: and going too far? Well, I don't have any coins for you, but I have a greater gift. I have salvation. I have stories that can lead you down a path that might give you joy. And that's, I mean, you've led a person to Christ. How does that compare to buying them a pair of Beats? headphones. You know what I'm saying? I mean, once you do that, that's a, that's a different kind of joy. And provided that you didn't just lead them to Christ, you've tried to be an influence and disciple them in Christ. Now you get to see that, that joy on earth that you know is going to be everlasting, but you get to see it on earth as well. Um, and then see them actually go and impact other people far exceeds uh, the, the Christmas gift to me, you know, type deal.
2: Everybody wants to be a hero, right? And I think that's a father thing is that you want to be the hero for your kids. And that's just another way that you get to do that. You get to see their expressions on their face, the way that they react and, you know, emotionally connect with you and stuff like that. But as you know, the person that's, supposed to point your children to christ once you get that you point to jesus as the hero you know and it it it's it's a hard transition it was definitely a hard transition for me to not accept that sort of um gratitude or the heroic side you know it's just like everything that is good in life you constantly point people back to Christ instead of accepting that title yourself and I think that's even how pastors get into that mode you know you especially if you're pastor of a mega church or something somewhere and you've got thousands of people looking up to you it's real easy to sort of put yourself in that position where you're the hero instead of pointing back you know pointing people back to Christ uh, it's super easy to fall into that trap
1: yeah definitely definitely um so then with all that being said is there is there more that we should be doing at the easter season and what would that be make decorations make make fancy decorations
2: (laughs) (laughs) to me it's the passion of the christ and i can't overstate the significance the first time i saw that movie and it was it was a big year for me. I have to admit that that was the big transition year of my life because it was earlier in the year where we go into my testimony, and I've told it before that that movie came out. So I mean, it's crazy how all of that fell into one year for me, and just watching it in a portrayed in a realistic way. I know we've all seen yeah, it Yeah, that, that
1: movie was pretty believable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, obviously I wasn't there, but the way they portrayed it, it, it seems like pain and, and suffering. I mean, yeah. it's it's crazy.
2: Yeah, it, it, it changed how I reacted to Good Friday. It changed how much I took on the responsibility for Jesus being tortured. I mean, someone taking a bullet you know because we always talk about that, you know, passage in John that no greater love doesn't than to die for a friend, yeah, than to, to die for people that you care about, and dying in the aspect of taking a bullet that's that's what I always go to, and, and I think a lot of my teens have related to that, like I could. You know, jump on a grenade, take a bullet. Yeah, just instantaneous, and then you watch the slow process, Mm. the pain that he went through, like the the 9 tails ripping flesh off. I mean, that whole thing. It it was. I there were points where I felt it. I was so empathetic watching that movie. I was crushed, like I was five years old. I, I kid you not. I mean, it took me down. To a childlike state of like so much regret that I caused this to happen to Jesus. And then, of course, the, the after effect of gratitude yeah. was amplified in a million percent. Like, I've never been so grateful for salvation in my entire life than when I watched that movie.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. It, it reminds me, too, uh, uh, you know. We didn't, we didn't have, I mean, other than the egg deal, that was our Easter thing and still really hasn't been, even though my life has changed. I haven't changed that. Uh, but this year, Kimberly suggested that we do uh communion together. And uh, so we got some saltines out and got some grape juice, you know, and uh alcohol free family. Well, <laughs> now, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, it was a, uh, it was something that I hope we continue to do, but not because it's a, tra- a tradition but because of what it was, and that—that's one of the things that watching that little scene from uh, Passion of the Christ, the, the, you know, there's a, a YouTube video you can watch. It has some music in the background, and it's just that scene. And we've shown it at AMP a couple of times, and it—it uh, it is powerful. Uh, but that—that that changed how I do communion now because communion was a ritual, communion was a tradition, communion was. Hey, let's do it. and Remember to me, and let's move on. And okay, we're gonna, you know, whatever. And and now I I I can't do it and not you know go into a state of prayer of thanks and and appreciation and and I I know that this flesh was torn for me and I and I I I gotta let you know that I do remember that right now as I take this and then the same thing with the blood. So it's kind of a cool deal that come out of it for us uh, this year. So I'm really glad that Kimberly come up with that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely important to remember. I, th- I don't think we should really be separating the two, Christmas and Easter. I think it's better to look at the whole story, because why did Jesus come as a baby? Why did he come uh, to earth as a human so that he could live out that life and that so he could be the sacrifice for us? So you really have to have both parts to present the whole reason why Jesus came back and what his journey was and why he had to go through all of that.
2: Good stuff.
1: And another thing, he does I mean, it every week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and another thing, he convinced I mean, me. I'm like, yes, one giant <laughs> holiday. Let's do it. Another thing that we
3: haven't even talked about is we celebrate Christmas as the birth of Jesus, but he was born in the summer.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's all Hallmark's fault. I'm not positive. But. <laughs> well, I, I th-
0: a lot of that was, I think they there was a, the Yule. Holiday already in place, and then so that non-believers would celebrate this at the same time as believers, they uh, moved it, and that's why we have Christmas.
1: Wow!
3: Look at that—the Christians conforming to the world. Hmm.
1: <laughs> Trend, not truth. Trend, not truth. You said it. I don't know. send the hate mail to uh, Corey Murphy, <laughs> by the way. So, I mean, I I'm convinced. Mason convinced me, and we went through all this. And then Mason convinced me in uh, really one little paragraph that uh, they're both necessary and important. Um, I do think w- when you were saying that, one of the things that come to my mind was, uh, you know, he was born uh, an infant, baby, went through life, and then you know, to me, the the suffering he could have he could have done that pain free. You know what I mean? He could have faked it. Could have. But I think there was there was power in that for us to see and relate, and just like you know he was tempted so that we'd know that he was tempted um, and that there's deliverance from all that so uh,
0: in some ways it kind of makes us relate to God, even though it's very hard to do so. He wanted to go through something so painful and so uh, so terrible that we could under, whenever we have terrible pain, we know Jesus suffered worse than we did, so he understands exactly what we're going through, and he can relate to it.
1: That's really
3: good. And the tempting, uh, all of it, his entire ministry made him fully human and made the sacrifice perfect. Because if he was never tempted, then, okay, yeah, he's a perfect sacrifice, but he never had to go through anything. He, He doesn't know what I'm going through, like you were saying. So I think that the tempting shows us that he was the perfect sacrifice because he went through everything that we went through and went through daily life, dealt with the things that we deal with, and overcame it all
2: exactly what murph said and and i wasn't thinking about the temptation in the wilderness before his ministry started it was huge to me when i realized the first time that he had the ability to say no in the garden of of gethsemane i that blew my mind that that everything that led up to that point christmas and everything we talk about his whole life coming to a moment where he actually asks God if there's another way to do this, can can we like you know scratch this part off? And that that blew my mind that that he was that human to ask for a different way to do that. But he said, "I love you, Father, too much, and I love the world uh, too much to say no." That
1: uh, right? Yeah, yeah, just super yeah. powerful. So, I think basically what we've come to the conclusion is that uh, they're equally as important. Equal, they were definitely necessary for us to uh, be able to achieve our salvation, to be able to have the promise of everlasting life. Uh, and I'm just thankful that that uh, God works the way that He does. Um, I've got some uh, bad news. I'm kicking you guys out of here next week, and I'm going to bring in some of our our ladies uh, that are involved in the amp station. Um, and I also heard something, uh, my daughter is a um, podcast junkie, and she told me that people will write people letters, and I was like, there's no way people are still writing letters, and she's like, yes, they'll write letters in these podcasts, so I dare you to write me a letter, uh, to write any of these guys a letter, to write a letter to this podcast, I'm going to give you the, the address, it's 500 Castle Pine Circle, Claremore, Oklahoma, 74019. If you'll write us a letter, I will snail mail back to you a t-shirt, one of our podcast t-shirts. They're going to be awesome. They're going to be huge. They're going to be amazing. That was my Donald Trump is terrible, wasn't it? I'm not even going to ask you to edit that. I'm just going to tell you. Cut it out probably. I don't know why Donald Trump is appropriate on this podcast, but... Yeah. Anyway, that was terrible, but still. Yeah. So 500 Castle Pine Circle. That's three different words. Claremore, Oklahoma. 74019. You mail us a letter. I will mail you one of our podcast t shirts.
3: But it has to contain something relevant. You can't just be like, hi something
1: relevant to the podcast. Uh, No, I don't don't care. If you're going to snail mail me a letter, (laughs) you you can literally (laughs) just... That would be amazing. So the only really,
2: thing in the letter will be t-shirt size. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay.
1: I need your t-shirt size and your return address. Yes. That that'd be huge that you have that. But yeah, you we put, would
3: prefer like, you know, some
1: feedback, criticism, a, yeah. ideas, uh thoughts. I'm sending you a shirt. I kind of only want good <laughs> good criticism. I don't I don't want to be beat down. Uh then we may be magically, I used magic again. We may be <laughs> out of your size or something like that if you don't uh if you're not nice to us. Uh so uh, before we go here, um, we're gonna I, I wanna my daughter, Addison Lasornio, um, sent me a couple of poems to use in in my message for tonight, which you guys will be uh, finding out about this tomorrow, so it's uh, a- April twelfth uh, I'm doing an Easter message, and, and I, I really can't find anywhere to put this in that'll fit with the the what I'm doing tonight, so uh but I love her poems that she sent me. So I'm, I'm going to have uh, Mason read one of these to you. It's, it's a f- perfectly fitting Easter poem. Um, and this one that I'm going to have him read is actually titled, Your Name We Proclaim. Um, she uh, loves to write, is really good at writing. Um, one of the reasons that I hope you'll go back and look on the Amplifying Millennials Facebook page is to see uh, what I'm going to talk about tonight, uh, what what you would have missed tonight. But now, man, this is getting all, <laughs> this, this is getting that time-space-continuing <laughs> thing that we were talking about earlier. Anyway, the message that I deliver on April 12th, it's a super short one, um, that you would go back to that because this is completely relevant um, because I'm going to talk about some ways that we use to, Keep our connection to Christ. Keep our our connection to God. Um, and this is one of her ways where she does this. She explained it to me that she, uh, you know, it's her it's her quiet time. But she doesn't like to sit idle. She doesn't like to sit and just alone with her thoughts. And this kind of helps her, uh, you know, get through with her thoughts and kind of put them down on paper. So she wrote this a couple of years ago. She was going to Roger State University, which she graduated from there. Since then, and it was uh, she was a, a paid writer for the Odyssey. Um, And she was doing this stuff. So I just wanted to share it with you because it's appropriate. It's an Easter deal. And and I wanted Mason to read it because his voice is way better at stuff like that. So uh, Your Name We Proclaim by Addison Lasornio. Um, Hit it, Mason. All right.
0: From the beginning, he knew what he was, a sacrifice. He knew his side to be pierced, his hands to bleed, his eyes to weep. He suffered for me. My sin was great, but he was greater. They spit, beat, and deemed him a fake. They crowned him with thorns and mockery, humans at their lowest, earth at its darkest, mankind turning against their own creator. As his eyes fell weak, he gasped for air and made the final plea. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I see those hands that bled for me, yet I weep in fear. I fear what is to come, where the Lord is taking me. I am unaware of the afflictions that may arise. I know that he will guide me. As long as it is on Him, I fix my eyes. Praise, praises, rise to the one true King who is in control of everything. None can compare to the Lamb who was slain. We find ourselves as we get lost in pursuit of your holy name. Our lives bear and weak. Only in His name we find meaning and strength. He slays our desires. Instead on Him, He sets our eyes. Forever He is to be glorified forever and always lifted high. The sun, moon, and stars cannot quiet their displays of praise as all of creation cries, My God, my God, be lifted high.
1: So that's a wrap for this uh, episode. We hope that you've enjoyed it. Um, Shoot us any kind of uh, corrective criticism, uh, ideas for shows, uh, and we just thank you for listening to us.
0: Thank you for listening to the Trend or Truth Podcast. This podcast is recorded out of the AMP station in Claremore, Oklahoma. AMP is a Christian ministry geared towards college students and young adults with an emphasis on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a subscriber so you don't miss out on a single episode. We release new entries every Monday. Also, rate and review this podcast on iTunes and share it on social media. Once again, thank you for joining us today, and we'll talk to you next time.